Father God, we worship you. We're gathered all over the state of South Carolina and we say you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our December. You're worthy of our, our career. You're worthy of our major. You're worthy of our relationship. You're worthy of our Friday night and our Tuesday morning. You are worthy of it all. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. And Lord, you are worthy. So we're grateful tonight to be able to just take the breath you breathe into us and just return it to you and just say you're worthy. So Lord, I pray you meet us here. You meet us right where we are. You know every young man, every young woman. You know every dating couple, every engaged couple, married couple, in college, career, in between, trying to figure it out. You know exactly where we are. You love us. We gather here tonight to say you're worthy. We want to meet with you. So Lord, would you humbly ask Hide me for the next few moments behind your cross. Would you speak your fatherly, loving tone into hearts? People would hear from you tonight. You'd get the glory. We'd get the joy. The world would get the good because we gathered this evening. It's in Christ's name we pray. And we say together, amen, amen. Well, hey, while you got your feet, don't take a seat yet. Why don't you give somebody a high five on the campuses around the, uh, the state. So you say, what's up, what's up? Tell them they look good. I see bow ties. I see folks that came in shorts, and I see everything in between. And uh, then you can grab a seat. Um, let me just introduce myself. Uh, my name's Brad, and uh, on behalf of the pastors and staff and the elders of New Spring Church, I just want to tell you, we love you. We love you, Rally. We, we uh we love this ministry, and every, every single lead pastor can't be here tonight to say that, but I'm just saying it on behalf. We love this ministry. We love what God's doing in the 18 to 25-year-olds across the state of South Carolina. We, we believe that there's a lot of people in the world that look at your generation, and they write you off. They don't take you seriously, perhaps. Maybe you even feel a little bit of this, but I just want to lock eyes with you right at the top and say, that's not the heart of God. God looks at you and he believes in you. He sees what you have to offer, the potential in you, what you're doing right now, and this church believes in you. And so we see what God's doing in you and we want to invest in that and I believe that there's something that you guys are gonna catch tonight that's gonna dynamically potentially change the course of your life. And you know why I say that? Because I was your age in this space when God did that for me. I remember being in this kind of space when really I was transitioning from a, a growing up in a home that, you know, raised me around church and raised me around the things of God and I had great, you know, community there. But then you get out on your own and, man, you get a chance to rewrite everything. You make your own decisions. You choose where you're going to spend your time and where you're going to make your priority. And God radically got a hold of my life when I was in college and it shifted up so much for me. So I just believe that that's on tonight. If you would believe that that kind of Faith is on this night. Would you just say amen, amen, amen? And if you got your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open them up. Um, it, I'll tell you, we're going to really cover a lot of ground tonight to the book of Daniel. Daniel is where we're going to be. It's an Old Testament book. And uh, I, want to, I want to tonight frame the conversation, the next 30 minutes or so, around if I was able, as I was preparing for this, uh, if I was able to give you a Christmas gift. Now, let me just ask this question, all right? Um, ladies, I need to ask this of you, okay? You ladies, are you with me? If you are, say yeah. Okay, listen, I need some help, all right? My wife's not here tonight, and I'm preparing 
some, some things for her Christmas, okay? There's still time for this. We're like 17 days or something like this away, right? Uh, it's getting here close. Um, I need your help in getting some perfect Christmas gifts for my wife, okay? All right? So uh, I want you guys to maybe you could shoot me a, 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 an Instagram, please, of what you think would be perfect Christmas gifts for my bride. This is selfish, I know. But this is a moment here. I've got you here. I need you to tell me what would you want, all right? She's, she's my wife, she's stylish, okay? She, I think she's super classy, classy Christmas. Um, she's a mama three, all right? But she still looks good, you know what I'm saying? And so she's kind of in this like cool space, but she's not watching this tonight, she's not here. I need you to shoot me some, some stuff on Instagram maybe that'd be probably the preferred space what would you want if you were right there in her space I need some help okay stocking stuffers um, things from Ulta in that where you guys go you go to Ulta okay lots of okay are we on are we okay all right all right all right some things there maybe some some trends that are I don't even know anymore man I'm just like getting to be an old so I'm just asking that selfishly okay now fellas 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 um here's here's what I'm gonna say to you if I could sit down with you dudes and I could could give you a Christmas present all right, uh, every single one of you, what I'm gonna share with you tonight is the gift, all right, the gift I would give you if I was giving you the Christmas present that I believe would dynamically change the next 10 years of your life. And now, you can't buy it in a store, but I want you to know that this has been tested through fire, and I have seen it, and so ladies, this is for you as well. What I am preparing tonight is, is a message that if I could sit down with every single rally student wherever you are in life, and say, hey, here's the thing you need. Here's the thing you need that I believe has passed the test. And I've really had a lot of things to think about over the last couple of years, and maybe you have too, so I'm gonna do a little bit of cultural analysis and give you guys some things that we wouldn't talk about on a Sunday morning because I think you're ready for it and you can handle it, but I need to start by asking this question. All right, you ready for this? Uh, I hope you got your notebooks out and you can take some notes, or if not, open up your notes app. I think this one will stick with you. I wanted to ask you a question right here, right now, tonight. Um... I want you to ask this question, am I a Christian or am I a disciple? And I'm going to do a little bit of um, time tonight talking about that because I know tonight you're off the hook if you're, if you're not a believer. Like you're, 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 you haven't made your mind up about Jesus. You're here tonight for the after party, the free food, and the co-eds. That's completely cool. Glad you're here, but I'm just going out on a limb. I think the majority of people that are in the room tonight uh, of December, the 7th of December, at a rally, Christmas, classy gathering probably categorically would put themselves in one of these two spaces. But what I'm going to do tonight, my best, is I'm going to evaluate what I think is the difference between the two. And I'm just going to state that I think that over the last two years, all right, the last 20 months really, what we have seen in culture, in the world, is specifically in this context an acceleration of folks that have called themselves a Christian and folks that have called themselves a disciple. I think there has been ultimately something that has been exposed by COVID, by the cultural spaces we've been in, by all of the friction and frustration. And I think if two years ago we could all jump in a time machine and fly back to 2019, what were you doing two years ago? Okay, this is not rhetorical. I'm gonna ask in this room. Don't make eye contact if you don't want an answer. December 2019, what were you doing? I'm looking right over here, my man. You're wearing a tie. You look good, bro. White shirt. 2019. How old were you in 2019? You were 19. All right, that fits. What were you doing two years ago, 2019? 
making bad decisions. All right, well, good. Glad you're here tonight, bro. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, and I don't know what happened. We can talk about that later, okay? All right, so making bad decisions. Okay, uh, 2019, you're 19, you're making bad decisions. Well, if we could all go back to 2019, I think a lot of people in the earth would qualify themselves as a Christian or as a disciple. Here's the distinctive. Christian is what people call you. Disciple is what you choose to be. Disciple is in the New Testament 260 times. Christians in the New Testament three times. It's never articulated as someone identifying themselves as a Christian. It's actually what people call folks that followed Christ. It was a derogatory term used in the book of Acts to identify the folks in Antioch that had decided to follow Christ. They were basically calling them, oh, you're just a little Jesus, kind of this kind of deal. But a disciple is, is somebody that has made a decision and it's a choice that every single day they're gonna follow after Jesus. Can I just suggest something to you? That in our life today, you are not static. You are moving one direction or the other in terms of your discipleship. And what I wanna share with you tonight is what I think happened two years ago is wherever you were categorically as a Christian or as a disciple, what got exposed over the last two years is an acceleration. If you are a Christian, I'm talking a cultural Christian, a nominal Christian, a Christian by name only, then you got accelerated into a place where more than likely, um, that's not necessarily you tonight because you're here, more than likely you're not walking with God two years later. You might be at church in Christmas and Easter. You might be around church a little bit, but by and large, it accelerated what was already begun because your faith was in what people called you or the tribe you rolled in. It wasn't in the decision you'd made. But opposite of that, if you were a disciple two years ago and in March 11th, 2020, when COVID hit, they canceled the ACC tournament, the NBA shuts down, and it all gets real, and we all go into quarantine. Um, if you were a disciple, it didn't hurt you because it accelerated your walk with Jesus. Here's what I want to say is the biggest distinction that I've seen over the last two years from a Christian versus a disciple is a disciple has an everyday relationship with God. If I could give you anything as a big brother in the faith, Walking out college, walking out dating, walking out career, walking out military, walking out tech school, walking out this space you're in. If I could give you anything, it would be to give you an everyday relationship with God. Do you understand? That's what Jesus Christ bought you on the cross, right? Like, I know that's crazy, but let me zoom out a little bit. In the garden in Genesis 1-2... Adam and Eve have an everyday walk with the Lord. They're walking with him in the cool of the day every single day. And what does sin blow up? It blows up a lot of things, but namely sin blows up the everyday relationship with God. Fast forward to the cross of Christ. His blood purchased for us access back into a relationship, not religion, not religious activities, but not a Sunday relationship with God, not a Christmas relationship with God, not a Tuesday night, once a month rally relationship with God. He purchased for you and me an everyday relationship with your heavenly Father. That's what a disciple has. Now watch this. Over the last two years as a pastor, as a leader, as someone who watches this all the time, the people who had an everyday relationship with God through the last 20 months, they have accelerated and begun to look more like Christ. And people who were Christians in namesake only, they have accelerated and begun to look more like the world. And I want to ask the question again tonight, are you a Christian or are you a disciple? If I could give you anything, it would be an everyday relationship with God, okay? That's what, that is what ultimately 
someone who follows after the Lord has. Now, why am I telling you to turn to the book of Daniel? Okay, let me open up my notes. The reason I want to tell you to turn to the book of Daniel is because Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were the featured people in the book of Daniel, they walked through a time of unbelievable trial, unbelievable, um, uh, ultimately, they, they were captives, they were, they were slaves in the land of Babylon. And you maybe know this, but the whole Bible is basically a small version or a larger version of this narrative that we are called as followers of Jesus to live as captives, as sojourners and pilgrims in a land called Babylon. And ultimately, one day, we're going to arrive in Zion, in, in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven. So I believe what we can do is we can look into the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What were the things that they had, that they implemented, that they saw in their lives that helped them to carry the day where, listen to this, they didn't just get by, y'all. They actually impacted the entire kingdom. I'm going to show you at the end of the message tonight that the, the leaders in multiple kingdoms looked at the witness of these young men and began to worship Yahweh and turn the entire world, the known world that they were overseeing, to worship him as well. What did they have that stood the test of all of the trials and what could you and I potentially have? See, the, the disciple, the disciple has a pandemic-proof faith life. The disciple has a pandemic-proof faith life and that's what you have access to if you were walking with Jesus Christ. You have access to a pandemic-proof faith life. Like, I really do hope, and I hope you guys are with me on this, I really do hope we'll get to the end of this thing, but the problem is we have all kinds of Greek alphabets still left. So we had the, the, all of these different variants, and we're just at Omicron right now, so there could be so many more that are coming up, and I know it's kind of funny and a joke, but the reality is, who knows what 2022 has? Like, we all hope it's gonna be way better, but let me ask you a question. Let me look you dry in the eye. What if it's not? Do you have the kind of faith life that flourishes when things in the world get difficult? Because God wants to give it to you. It's a pandemic-proof faith life. That is an everyday relationship. It's something that Christ has purchased for you, and I want you to walk in. It's something that I think we see in the book of Daniel. And so I want to get us there. So here's the backstory, okay? Just if, you, if you've not read this before, or maybe you've heard portions of it, but what happens in the book of Daniel is it starts by telling the story of these young men that were captured. And they were captured in Daniel chapter 1. You absolutely should go and spend time maybe over the break reading this while you've got a little bit of time. Daniel chapter 1, they're captured and, and they, they're brought before uh, ultimately the, the king. They're chosen. They were, they were slaves that were chosen. Now, the, the scriptures call them eunuchs. So that means basically they were emasculated. All right, I won't get into more biology than that. But you understand, they could never have children. That's what they did back in the day. You were captured, you were chosen, they were emasculated, so they're spayed and neutered like you do your cats and dogs, okay? I don't know if you've done that. My cat actually today went to get neutered, okay? Um, um, anyway, sorry, TMI, right? I, I'm hearing the internal, some of you folks will remember Bob Barker, have your cat spayed and neutered, right? I don't know if Drew Carey still does this or not on The Price is Right, but anyway, it was always the sign-off, okay, of Bob Barker and The Price is Right when you were sick and at home and you didn't go to school. I don't know what you watched when you were sick and at home, but I watched Bob Barker, okay? Uh, have your cat spayed and neutered. Well, that's what happened to these young men. So they were called eunuchs and they were servants there. But they ultimately end up doing some incredible things and influencing the entire kingdom. How did this happen? 
Well, the backstory is before you have Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you actually are introduced years earlier to a guy named Josiah. I need everybody to say the name Josiah on three. One, two, three. Josiah was a king of Israel. He was one of the only good kings of Israel, and he was named king. Anybody got any guesses how old he was when he was named king? Anybody know? What'd you say, Jay? Eight. Well done, Jay. You might read your Bible. Jay, it was eight. Josiah was named king at eight years old. At 18 years old, they found the scriptures in the temple of the Lord. They had lost them. They had been worshiping other gods, and they read the scriptures. They find the Bible for the first time, which just seems crazy, right, that God's people find the word of God. They start to read the Bible and read it out loud, and Josiah ultimately has a reputation after 33 years of leading. They call him Josiah the Reformer. Because all of Israel got reformed around the scriptures and they started to pray again. And they started to form their homes again around the scriptures and around prayer and around a relationship with God. Spiritual formation begins to take place. And this is massive. I want you to see this because the next generation that Josiah raised would have been Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mother and father. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's parents were raised in a context where they had a reformation, where they were reawakened into the things of God, the scriptures and prayer. And this mattered so much that they would raise their young men in homes and, and raise them around the formation that ultimately when they were captured and they were taken into Babylon, they still had the formation in their lives. It's why Daniel prayed three times a day. It's why you're going to read about him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saying no to meat and saying yes to other things. It's why you're going to see them fast. One of the things if you and I are going to have an everyday relationship with God is we've got to prioritize, look at me, everyday formation. Everyday formation. Everyday formation. Now, here's truth, and I know you know this. We're all being formed, every single one of us. The question is not if we're being formed. The question is what's doing the forming. Right, there's all kinds of stats on this, but bottom line is if you're spending one and a half hours at church once a week, which is incredible, you would be in like the 1% because people don't do that anymore. If you're spending 90 minutes at church around the people of God, around the things of God, around the scriptures, around worship, but then here's the deal, you blew by that by 7 a.m. this morning just on your phone. You spend way more time on this than I do. Because this is what we do, isn't it? We're formed, we're formed, we're formed. I just want to show you this because that formation is, it's shaping us. And I want to make sure you catch this because it is so important. Okay, I want you to catch this. Ready, ready, ready. Um, Every single one of us, look to your right and left. Every single one of us, look to your right and left. Every single one of us. Now I want you to envision people in India right now. I want you to envision people in, in, in uh, M- Malaysia right now. I want you to envision people in Kenya right now, in Colombia, uh, not South Carolina, but like Colombia, the country in South America. I want you to envision them right now. Okay, okay. The Bible says that 100% of humanity was made in the image of who? In the image of God. Okay, you've heard that. We've all been made in the image of God, but watch this. But the Bible says in the New Testament that we, we as disciples are called to be formed to the likeness of Christ. So 100% of the world is being made in the image of God, okay? Made in the image of God. Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. Everybody's been made in the image of God. In utero, in the womb, made in the image of God. That's why sanctity of life matters. Uh, This is why all things in terms of race and racism matter. Because we've been made in the image of God. It has nothing to do with the creed that that person submits to. It has everything to do with the image of the creator that we're made in. But watch this. But we've got to be formed disciple into 
ultimately formed into the image of Christ. There's a massive gap between these two places. And my fear is that we are missing out on the everyday formation that must take place. 2 Corinthians 3.18, go read it later. It talks about that followers of Jesus are formed from one iteration of glory to the next as we look into the face of Jesus. And we are called, ultimately, look at the book of Revelation, to look like Christ. To look like him. And so there's a huge gap in my life from being made in, the, and made in the image of God to being formed in the likeness of Christ. And it starts at the point of rebirth, regeneration, being born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, you must be born again. And, and many of you, you've experienced that being born again. So you're no longer a son of Adam. You're a son of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And you're being formed into his likeness. That's what a disciple is. So a disciple in your discipleship is never static. It's never static. You're constantly, right now, you're being formed, and it's got a direction to it. You're looking more and more like the world, or you're looking more and more like Jesus, and over life and time, it's going to have some level of progression. It's like a hot air balloon. Anybody ever ridden a hot air balloon? Raise your hand if you've ever ridden a hot air balloon. It'd be, it's like a cool date. I, okay, well, maybe not. Maybe not a cool date, but it was a, it's a good idea, okay? But you know in a hot air balloon, you're never still. What are you doing in a hot air balloon? You're either going what or what? Up or down? In your walk with Christ, you are never static. There is no such thing as maintenance. It is a myth. You're either going up or down. And it might feel like you're not moving much because you're kind of hanging in the middle, but you're always moving. And I just want to encourage you, as you say goodbye to 2021 and say hello to 2022, say yes to everyday formation. Say yes to the things of God. Say yes to getting in the word. Say yes to being formed by 21 days of prayer. Say yes to, to, to being in the gathering of the saints once a week. Say yes to uh, all the things that you're walking in that are gonna put the handprints of God on you. Look at your life and evaluate what are the things that are moving you into the likeness of Christ and what are the things that are deterring you from walking with him and say yes to the things that push you towards him and say no to the things that are limiting you from stepping into that everyday formation. It's one of the ways we're going to impact Babylon. If that was okay with you and it was a good point and you got it, say, I'm ready. Awesome. Number two. Number two is not only did they have this everyday formation, but they also had everyday friends. Now, I'm a whiteboard guy. If you've been around here a while, you know I'm a whiteboard guy. So I'm going to use a whiteboard. If you're okay with that, just give me a thumbs up. Here's the deal. When we say everyday friends, this is a really great phrase that I want you to catch, but we need friends who are friends of God. When I say an everyday friend, I'm talking about friends who are friends of God. Do you have any of those? They will change the game. They will take you from where you are to where you wanna be in your walk with Jesus. Friends who are friends of God. And you've got to prioritize them. I hope tonight you're sitting beside some of your friends who are friends of God. When I was in college, I met friends who were friends of God, and they stood with me on my wedding day. When, when I was a young adult, I met friends who were friends with God, and they, they began to help me navigate what it looked like to begin to walk with Jesus and to walk into my purpose and my destiny and my calling. It was my friends who were the ones, the first ones that said, hey, I think you've got the call of God on your life. I think you might, you might need to consider preaching more. It was my friends who warned me, you don't need to date that girl. And I'm like, yeah, but she's so good looking and she says she's a Christian. They're like, yeah, but she's not a disciple. I'm like, you're right. (laughs) 
let me give you three things about friends that are friends of God, okay, so you can identify them, okay? I'm going to change colors here just so uh, you got them. Here's friends that are friends of God. Friends that are friends of God. Number one, they're trusting. Everybody say trusting. Number two, they're consistent. Say consistent. And number three, they're intentional. Say intentional. Now, if I misspelled something, just give me grace because I didn't look, okay? I don't have spell check on this thing just like you don't do either, okay? Trusting, consistent, and intentional. Friends who are friends with God, you need friends that are trusting, consistent, or intentional. Now, watch this. If you, now, listen, you need all three, all right? It's a Venn diagram. You like a Venn diagram? Everybody likes a Venn diagram. You need all three. Look how pretty that is, Venn diagram. You need all three. Here's what, you, here's what I mean. If you just have a friend who is trusting and consistent, trusting and consistent, trusting and consistent, you know what you'll call them one day? You'll call them your drinking buddies, they're trusting. I mean, they know me, and they're consistent. We go out every, you know, Friday night. I mean, it's $5 Friday or whatever. You know, it's $2 Tuesday or whatever. You know, they're your golfing buddies one day, or these are your girls that you do. You know, they're trusting and consistent. But again, they're not intentional because intentional friends are going to talk to you about Jesus. They're going to talk to you about who you're becoming. They're going to talk, okay, okay, you're trusting and, and, and consistent. That, that's not what we need. We need more than that. That's good, but that's not all the way. Okay, how about, how about consistent if they're, just, if they're just consistent and intentional, you know what that is? That's your favorite podcast. It comes up every week, maybe it comes up every day. And they're intentional, they're gonna talk to you about Jesus, they're gonna preach to you, but you know what? They don't know you and you don't know them. They're not gonna really be someone you can trust and you can't trust them because you have no relationship with them, really. So listen, I, I love podcasts. I, I listen to as many podcasts as anybody I know. I promise you, I take it all in. But can I tell you something? And I love all these guys. But pick your favorite podcaster, they can't be your pastor. They can't. You need somebody who knows you and you know them, okay? You need that person in your life, okay? So you need all three. Now, what, what are the only two I haven't paired up? I didn't pair up trusting and intentional. Trusting and intentional, you know who that is? That's your college roommate. That's the person that you spent four years with that was fantastic, but then they moved to Atlanta and you moved to Birmingham and now you don't have any consistency. You can pick right back up when you see each other again, but it's not in frequency, okay? So you need more than just trusting and intentional. Those college roommates are great, but then they go and move away, right? You need somebody right here, right now that is trusting, consistent, and intentional. You need a friend who is a friend of God. Y'all, I'm preaching hard right here. All right, I'm telling you right now, this will make a massive difference in your life. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had it. It is all over the story when they come up against hard moments. When King Nebuchadnezzar has this wild dream and he says, somebody's got to tell me what this dream is about. And, and they say, well, we've got people that'll tell you and interpret this dream. Just tell us what you dream. He goes, no, y'all a bunch of fakes and phonies. If you really are gifted to be able to interpret dreams, you're not only going to interpret my dream, you're going to actually tell me what I dreamed. And they said, nobody's ever done that, Nebuchadnezzar. You're a megalomaniac. He goes, yeah, so what? Not really, but basically. And Daniel ends up saying, that's fine. I'll not only tell you what your dream interprets to, I'll actually tell you what your dream is about. Let me have a chance to go back and talk to my friends who are friends of God. They fast and pray. And God gives him what he needs. He steps into Nebuchadnezzar's space, tells him what the dream is, tells him what the dream is about. And he carries the day. And I want you to know, you and I are going to walk through all kinds of tests in life. Every single one of us. You need, ladies, look at me, sisters, you got to have friends that are friends of God. Because there are some sharks out there that are trying to date you. They're telling you they're a Christian. They're not. They're telling you they're a Christian because gonna, they're going to try to do all the other things once they get you on a date. Or get you in. I'm just being honest, y'all. You know, it takes one to know one. Hello. 
So you gotta have way more going on than they showed up and sat beside you at church one time and they said they're a Christian one time. You need a disciple in your life if you're gonna date somebody. And some of y'all gonna break up tonight because we had this conversation right here at Rally. Okay, I'll leave that for y'all, okay? But here's the bottom line. You need friends that are friends with God that are your girlfriends. Fellas, you need some bros that are friends that are friends with God. They love you enough to tell you what you don't wanna hear and you got that kind of relationship. Is this, is this helping anybody tonight? All right, that's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. The last thing, point number three. Point number three is the last one. Not only do you need an everyday, an everyday, again, formation and an everyday friend, you need an everyday fire. Somebody say sizzle. Isn't that fun? Sizzle. You need everyday fire. So the Bible talks about this all over the place, but you see it in the New Testament. When the Holy Spirit shows up on the New Testament church, what is the sign and symbol of the Holy Spirit when he shows up? It's fire. It's fire. This is lyrically all over every kind of worship song you hear. We talk about a fire inside of us. But I want you to know, you need, ready for this? You need a fire that's inside of you that'll be hotter and brighter than the fires that'll be upon you when you journey through life. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a relationship with God, a fire in their heart that you couldn't see with your eye, but you could see when the fires of life tested them. One of the things I've recognized as I've journeyed just a little bit in front of you is that many times we see the fires of life, the tests of life come at us, and we wonder, where are you, God? What is going on? I thought you loved me. This, can happen. this happens to all of us. We have a crisis of faith when mom and dad get a divorce. We have a crisis of faith when that diagnosis happens. We have a crisis of faith when that leader we put trust in fails. We have a crisis of faith when somebody fell backstage. The crisis. You couldn't hear that at the other campuses. Hope they're okay. Pray for them. Crisis of faith. But listen, one of the things that God is trying to do all right, in his, in his providential way is he's trying to put the fire that's in you on display and it takes fire on you to reveal it. That's why the New Testament is full of people, John, Peter, all, all of the New Testament church that rejoice when they were found worthy to suffer for Jesus because they put the fire in them on display. That's exactly what happens in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they go into the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar is so mad at them that they will not bow to him. But they basically say, we can't bow to you, king. We, we've got respect and honor for you, but we cannot bow to you because we have a higher authority. And he gets so ticked off, he says, heat up the furnace hotter and throws them in the fire. And he watches as he bears witness to these three men in the fire. And then he says, I thought we only threw three men in. There's a fourth one that looks like the son of God. What's that all about? Go read it. It's all in the book of Daniel. We sing songs about it, but I want you to know it's real. It's practical. It's tangible. It's usable for you right now. They end up calling them out of the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar changes his heart in a moment. God uses the fire in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be tested by the fire on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to change and ultimately missionally evangelize the entire nation. Look what Nebuchadnezzar says. Scripture's gonna be on the screen. Look what he says. He says this in Daniel chapter four, verse three. 
he, he stands up and he proclaims, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. One of the ways that God is gonna reach America, South Carolina, your college campus, is he's gonna just put a fire inside of you and then he's gonna allow you to be tested so that you might be able to shine bright in the moment of testing. So take heart. He'll be with you there. It'll be difficult. It'll be tough. If you knew about it, you'd probably opt out from even being a part of it. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, yeah, I'm in for that? No, man. They're not. But listen, we all hate a test, but we love tested things. We hate a test. Nobody wants a pop quiz. You finished with your semester. What if the teacher called and said, yeah, we got one more test before you can get done with the semester. You'd hate that. But you know what you'd do this week if you had something starting to like hurt inside of you? You'd go see a tested doctor. We hate tests, but we love tested things. And it's tested things that proclaim the gospel in our generation. But that means we've got to have a fire in us that's brighter than the fire on us. Amen? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego changed the heart of Nebuchadnezzar because they were willing to walk through the fire and they had a fire in them that was brighter. It wasn't just them. You look at Daniel. This blows my mind every time. So during the book of Daniel, there are three major empires that come into power. It covers like the span of decades. Three major empires come into power. And when Daniel is an old man, all of these other empires and powerful authorities and kings, they don't last. But you know who lasts? Daniel. You know why? Because he had a fire in him. He also had everyday friends and he had everyday formation. He gets to the end of his life. He meets a guy named Darius who is the leader of the entire, the, the entire kingdom. And, and he, gets, he gets, ultimately he gets kind of like this, uh, this conspiracy to catch Daniel. They get, they get Darius to sign an agreement that nobody should pray unless they pray to him. But Daniel, he's got this everyday formation and he's gonna pray whether you tell him he can't because he's gonna honor God. So they catch him praying and they say, hey, we caught Daniel praying. He's the third in charge over the entire nation. We call Daniel praying to his God, and you've already signed this, uh, this uh, decree, Darius. We need to throw him in the, in, the, in the lion's den. Darius was looking for a way out. There was no way out. He was his word. The king's word was law. It was, it was writ. So they grab Daniel, they take him down, and they throw him in the lion's den. I mean, they don't feed these animals for days. I mean, we read about this and like, or hear stories about this when we're like little kids, but think about the reality of this. This was a real man who was really taking a stand. I wonder how many of us are ready for that. And I just want you to know, he was ready for that. He goes into the lion's den. They seal the tomb of the lion's den. And Darius, the king, he sweats it all night because this is his buddy. And, and anyway, they come and they open up the, the lion's den the next morning. And they ask if Daniel's there. And Daniel says, I'm right here. He walks out and listen to the words of Darius. Watch this. Listen to the words of Darius, what he says. All right, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, <laughs> enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, listen, this would be like all of a sudden Donald Trump being the greatest evangelist you've ever seen because he saw somebody stand the test of time, but way worse than Donald Trump. This would be like Joe Biden coming out and like CNN press conference. Let me tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
This would be about any kind of like dictator or czar. What if like Vladimir Putin, flash, news flash tonight, he's jumping up and we hear about it on our tickers here that he's telling everybody in Russia, you've got to start worshiping Yahweh, the God who is everlasting because of what he's experienced because he's seen a Christ follower walk through the test. It would, it would be absolutely earth shattering, but it happens. And I'm just looking at you and I'm saying, and it can happen again. But we've got to be willing to say yes to an everyday relationship marked by everyday formation every single day, every single day, friends that are friends of God and an everyday fire. Go read, listen, go read homework. Go read Jeremiah 33. You ready for this? Go read Jeremiah tonight somewhere. Go read Jeremiah 33. It's in verse 18. It's not gonna be on the screen, but here's what Jeremiah prophesies about that's coming. 33, 22, excuse me. You start at 18, but 22 is the one I want you to read. It says this, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, so the stars in the sky, as they can't be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so God says, I will multiply the offspring of David my servant and the Levitical priests who minister to me. Translation, God says there's gonna be more priests because of what he does through his son Jesus than sand on the sea. There's gonna be more priests than stars in the sky. And he's not talking about pastors. He's talking about the priesthood of believers, people who keep the devotional flame lit in their heart. They keep the altar burning. Come COVID, come Omicron, come Alpha and Omega and everything in between. They're gonna keep the devotional flame burning in their day. And people are gonna come to faith because you are a disciple and not just settling for Christianity. Christians go to heaven when they die. Disciples bring heaven on earth while they live. God's calling you to step into discipleship. Now, we're coming to invitation. Can I invite you to stand to your feet on our campuses? Put your notes away. Because I think this is important that you hear this. We're about to sing a song called Christ Be Magnified. One of the powerful things that I learned when I was your age is I was, I was wanting to walk with Jesus. Like, young men, look at me. I wanted to walk with Jesus. And like, I wanted to walk with Jesus, but I also had a struggle with pornography. Real talk, just real talk. And I wanted to walk with Jesus, but I had a struggle with pornography. And I wanted to walk with Jesus, but I had a struggle with pornography. And I, and I knew it was wrong, and I didn't want to do it. And I'd go through these moments where I'd be like, okay, I'm good for like three days, and then I'd blow it, and then I'd go for like five days, and I'd blow And I was like, how am I ever going to overcome this? And then I learned something in this time. Fill in the gap for whatever potentially might be the thing that you struggle with. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, whatever. Okay, mine was pornography. I'm just being as honest as I can be. I learned that the only way I was going to overcome pornography was going to be a greater love, not a greater duty. Listen to me. The reason that you and I opt in for anything in the earth that is not ultimately of God is because we love it. If you're here tonight and you're not married and you're sleeping with somebody, you're doing it because you love it, right? It, it affirms some things. It, it, you're doing it because you love it, right? The, the Bible says there's a better way of life. If you're here tonight and, you know, maybe this semester, man, you look back and you go, man, I wish I could change some things. I, I wish I wouldn't party like that or I wish I didn't do, didn't do, you know, the shrooms that night or whatever the thing is. I mean, there's a zillion things. I wish I could get away from the prescription drug thing that nobody knows about or whatever the thing is. You're not going to overcome it because you try harder. You're going to get over it because you love greater. You're going to fall in love with Jesus. So the very last day of college, my wife, was finishing her last exam. I took her out to dinner to celebrate. We weren't married then. Took her out to dinner to celebrate. We went to Greenville. 
And, uh, and then after dinner, I took her down to Falls Park. I got on my right knee just like this. I cried a lot. Pulled out this thing that I'd spent more money on than anything else in my life. And I asked her to marry me. And do you know what she said? She said yes. Okay, all right, yeah. She said yes. Okay. She said yes. I'd already asked her dad, all those things. She said yes. Now listen, listen, listen. From the moment we got engaged to the moment we got married, would it have been weird, listen, if two weeks later after she says yes, you're like hanging out with me and we're, we're down in like Myrtle Beach and you saw me out on a date with another woman. Would that be weird? Yeah, it'd be weird. What if you saw me on like some speed dating show? But I'm engaged to her. What would you say to me if you were like my real good friend? What would you say to me? Like, shoot me straight. Not rhetorical. Somebody respond. What would you tell me to do? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. What are you doing, man? You're engaged. Okay, okay, okay. Do you understand that's our relationship with Jesus? He's asking us to be in relationship with him. He's preparing the Father a wedding supper for us. You're not going to change walking in sin or struggling with your thing because you try harder. You're going to change because you're in love. You're in love. It's time for the bride of Christ to fall in love with Jesus again. If you're struggling with like living in two worlds, it's because you're not in love. Maybe you said yes because it was just religiously acceptable. It was time for you to say yes to Jesus. It was like culturally what you need to do. Can I tell you something? If you don't understand the love that God has for you in Christ, maybe you've never really responded to the gospel. And tonight you need to hear Jesus loves you. God loves you. He gets down on his knee and he says, will you be mine? Will you marry me? I want to give you new. I want to make you clean. I want to spend eternity with you. And if you've said yes to that, you know what I did from the time I got engaged to the time we got married? Every day, every single day, whether we were together or whether we were in different cities, I talked to my fiance. It wasn't a burden because I was in love. You know what else I did? I changed a lot. I formed some things in my life that were different. I said no to some things. There were some Facebook girls that had to hit that. Now, back in the day, it was Facebook. I know none of y'all are on Facebook. Your mom's on Facebook. But back in the day, they got unfriended. Bye. Well, I don't, I mean, you can say, oh, you're just being mean. No, I'm being married. I'm not being mean. I'm being married. Hello. Things had to change. I spent all kinds of time with her. I thought about her. I wrote her notes. I, I prepared my life for her. You are the bride of Christ. He has paid a price to make you pure and clean. Fall in love. Fall in love. Fall in love. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for every young man, every young woman who's here tonight. And Lord, they've heard your word. We've talked about living in this moment and in this day. We've wrestled with whether we're a Christian or a disciple. Lord, I pray that you drive that stake down deep in our hearts and that we'd wrestle with that a million times. God, I'm reminded tonight that you are doing 100,000 things in every one of our life. And right now, we might be aware of two of them. Tonight, would you make us deeply aware that you love us, you died for us, you've resurrected to offer us a everyday relationship with you, and that everyday relationship is pandemic proof. Nothing can stop it. No thing can separate us from the love we have in Christ Jesus is what Romans 8 tells us. And Lord, would we, the bride, fall in love with you, the groom, again? Any change that needs to be made tonight, would it not be made from guilt or shame? But Lord, would it be motivated from love? Would it be motivated because you love us and we love you and so we choose you every day because you chose us before there was a thing called today?
So God, as we sing and we worship now, we ask that you be glorified in all of our campuses. You're already standing, but I just want to invite you to an altar. Tonight you say, man, I want to leave some things in 2021, and I want to take up some love in 2022. I've got some things that I need to deal with. I just want to invite you to the special place down front on all of our campuses. Maybe you need to come with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe you need to grab some of your friends that are, they're friends of God. And you say, man, I want to do this with you. I, I'm trusting you. I need you. Maybe, I just want to create some space where you feel freedom to move in every room and come and meet with God. Maybe you need to cry. That's okay. I'll come right and cry with you. I'm a sympathetic crier. We'll cry together, man. I got two little girls. I'm a dad and daughters. I cry all the time, man. Come cry with God. It'll bless your heart. Don't stay static in your seat because your discipleship isn't either. So as we go into this time of worship, feel free to move. All right? Do what God's telling you to do. Honor Him. Love you guys. Father God, bless our worship. In your name now. Amen.